listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. A lot of you out there probably have this preconceived notion about what chronic illness looks like. And today we're going to be talking to Nicole Pedra, who's a model actress and influential figure in the chronic illness industry, who goes to against this grain of what having a chronic illness looks like. She was diagnosed with multiple scoliosis at the age of 10 and holds a degree in public health from Syracuse University. Welcome, Nicole. I'm excited to see you again. I'm excited to see you and so uh, happy that we're getting to talk today. Yes. So I'm looking at your profile on Instagram and it says a lot of things under the bio, right? For everyone listening, go follow Nicole as well. But her profile says that she's navigating life with a chronic illness. And so I'm appreciative that you take us behind the scenes of what this exactly looks like. And it looks like you've been having a chronic illness for 25 years, multiple scoliosis diagnosis at age 10, ADHD, and PTSD. Can you really break these things down for us? How is your life been impacted by all these things? So it's been tough. I was diagnosed at age 10. The PTSD really came from a lot of medical trauma. I had a improperly done uh, lumbar puncture in the ER where my mom had to lay on top of me Wow, because uh, I was screaming. So that was really traumatizing. I've gone through so much therapy. You know, a lot of the ADHD, whether it was just kind of environmental or just something naturally from my body. It's really hard to not have all these running thoughts when you have a chronic illness about your future, about your, you know, how sick are you going to get, all these things. So I think a lot of the ADHD has also come from that. And then, you know, having MS was really tough as a kid and as it is for anyone diagnosed. So really passionate about helping people navigate their illness and kind of everything that comes along with it because I've had it for so long now. Yeah. So what exactly was running through your mind when you first got diagnosed? I'll tell you, I've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's in the past couple of years. And I mean, it was very, very, it was actually like a mind mess. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, wait, I'm eating perfect. What the heck's happening? I'm doing all the right things. So what went through your mind during diagnosis? When I was so young, I like really didn't comprehend what was going on. And 26 years ago, they didn't know a lot about MS. They really had no idea, especially in children. It's about 3 to 5% of people with MS are diagnosed under 16. So it's pretty rare. My mom remembers this, and I remember this, but leaving the hospital, I asked her if God was mad at me, and I was being punished. Because I didn't understand why this would happen to someone so young or anyone. I'm sure you went through this. You're like, why is this happening? What's going to happen in my life? You know, what's going to happen in the future? So that's kind of how it was for me when I went through the diagnosis. And eventually, as I got older, it became, what can I do for my health? And a lot of that came from being an athlete as a kid. 
Okay. So what did you do as far as athletics? So I was a rower and our team was nationally ranked. We were third in the nation. So I channeled a lot of my anger about my disease into that sport. And so I was like obsessed. And, you know, my coach installed in us how we needed to eat properly in order to have our bodies function because, you know, we were competing at such a high level. I was rowing all year round. So I never drank soda when I was a kid. I do know. Uh-uh. I never drink soda in high school. I know. I know. I know. It's my one, you know, it's my kryptonite. Yeah. But I didn't drink any soda when I was training. I carbo-loaded. I understand the fact that, like, eating clean was uh, was better. Now, my eating in high school wasn't perfect, you know. You kind of eat what you want. Yeah. But as I got older and more came out about nutrition, I also... I was going to minor in nutrition at school. I started realizing how to eat healthy and also for your body. So that's kind of how it started. And I just, I tell people a lot, like when they look at me and they're like, oh my God, how are you in such good shape? Working out has just been such a constant in my life since I was a young age, which also included health and eating and nutrition. So that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And I attribute eating to my good health. Yeah. And so when you first got diagnosed, did anyone talk to you about healthy eating and how that could impact the chronic illness at all? Not at all. You know, I think a lot, you can tell me because you're the expert. I think a lot of the information about nutrition has become more widespread in the last like 10 years, maybe, or 15, if even that. So no one knew anything. Parents were, you know, they still are today, but they were just loading their kids up on sugar if they wanted it. My issue, and I'm very fortunate, my dad is a really big cook and who was in the restaurant industry for all of my life, essentially. So he would always say if we ate out, he would be, we never went out for food because he was like, it doesn't taste good. I can cook better and it won't cost any money. So... You know, I really grew up like that and was super fortunate to have that kind of installed in me early. But they knew nothing. My issue, and I was on oral steroids for an entire summer, which makes you blow up. Yeah. So when I was in eighth grade, now this isn't, this is not big, but I am 110, 112 pounds now. And I was 150 pounds in eighth grade. And I wore a size 14 dress to my eighth grade graduation. Yeah. Wow. So how do you think that health, you know, being that heavy and eating what you want made you feel back then versus it sounds like you've cleaned up your diet more, which we will dive into. But like, how did you feel different? How did it affect you differently? I was so angry and I was so mad that I, I was so, the thing is, I was so uncomfortable in my body, so uncomfortable in my body. And, you know, when you are on this medication and when you're 10, you don't know how to like portion control. So when I got to high school and I really wanted to lose weight, that's when a lot of the health things came into play. And I started feeling better. I was really sleeping a lot when I was in middle school. I had more energy in high school. And I just started, you know, I was rowing and I kept getting better and we never had processed food at home. So I just started really seeing the difference that eating healthy was making in my life also compared to other people and how their diseases were progressing. 
Okay. And so how do you think that MS differs from most chronic diseases or are they all related? Well, it's interesting because multiple sclerosis, there are like over 70 diseases, chronic illness diseases that share at least two symptoms to multiple sclerosis. The difference, I think, between multiple sclerosis and other chronic illnesses are the progression. And I'm not very familiar with how other diseases progress in the long run, other chronic illnesses, but multiple sclerosis is a demyelinating disease. So unless you're on a medication to stop the progression, you're going to be getting more lesions. It's going to progress and get worse. You might have start seeing new symptoms, then becoming more severe. So that's what I say is the difference. I think there's a lot of diseases that do share similarities, but I'm not sure they might have the vast effect that MS does. Basically, anything that your brain controls can go wrong. So you could have lose the sensation of hot and cold, wow. right? So you could touch something and not realize the temperature. You could have tinnitus. You can have weakness in your legs. It's just kind of a whole gamut. Okay. So when you are talking to your doctor, because I'm sure a lot of people out here, you know, they might be feeling some symptoms, like maybe what are four surprising symptoms of MS and any tips on how to better communicate with your doctor so that you're not under medical gaslighting? So I would say the foremost or surprising is actually dysphagia. I'm pretty sure that's the way to call it, which is when you have trouble swallowing food. So what will happen is like you might instantly have trouble like fully swallowing, which can be really scary if you have food in your mouth. Yeah. I remember the first time it happened to me, I was like, oh my God, like I couldn't even swallow my saliva. It passed pretty quickly, but that's really a alarming symptom. It's not one of the most common, but it does happen a lot. The other one, I would say vertigo, where you literally can't tell, you know, up and down. There's a lot of nausea involved with it. Optic neuritis, which for me, when I had it, when I was diagnosed, I was seeing double vision. So I had to wear an eye patch. Wow. And the last one I would say is, now it's not really a symptom, but it's something that happened to me as a result was I had transverse paralysis. So I was paralyzed on the right side of my body and I had Bell's palsy in my face. Wow. Okay. So how are your symptoms today? My disease is in remission. My symptoms today, it's kind of funny because I've had the disease for so long. Sometimes it's hard for me to recognize these symptoms because they just been such a part of my life. But symptoms today, at the end of the day, when I get tired, I sometimes get some droopiness in this right side of my face as a result from the Bell's palsy and the damage that was done there previously. Sometimes it causes me to slur or I drool a little. The other one that I think I'm sure that you can relate to is the fatigue, just the being exhausted. And people don't understand that like, it's not just being tired. It's like you weigh a thousand pounds and you yeah. can't move your body. Mm-hmm. Your bones, your bones are heavy. And you want to. Right. You want to be doing stuff. It's not wanting to be lazy and sitting on, not that it's lazy, but not wanting to sit on the couch and rest. And that's almost like, like what you were saying, kind of part of the mind issues because your mind's giving you a hard time, the fact about this, and you need to be more productive. You need a, 
like vacuum the floor and you feel horrible that you're just not doing it. Right. So I know gluten is a big topic for chronic illness. Many of us are gluten-free and people trying to get healthier or someone diagnosed with chronic diseases, they're trying to go gluten-free because of the effect on like we're talking about fatigue or just getting healthier. How do you find the right gluten-free products and what ingredients do you think people should avoid? So I eat very clean. When I'm at the grocery store, I'm looking at tomato sauce. I'm looking for no added sugars. I'm looking for no added ingredients. I'm looking for like that. I know everything that's in the ingredients. Yeah. That should be like tomato sauce or water or tomato paste. And that's it. So I, I keep that very clean. Some things it's really hard to tell, like cereal. Is there a cereal that you can eat that's clean? Like, I'm not going to know all the ingredients, right? Yeah. Same thing, bread. Bread is really hard because, and I honestly don't know what ingredients to avoid when it comes to things like bread. Yeah. Okay. So for cereal, number one, Lovebird cereal is probably top of the line on the market. It's all organic. And it actually was founded by this guy named Parker Brooks. We did a podcast episode like over two years ago, but part of his profits go to cancer, childhood cancer research. And he was diagnosed with autoimmune and he was working for General Mills and Yoplait yogurt. And he was in the marketing department and just saw that they were like slapping mermaids on the front and putting, you know, treats inside for kids and all these things. And he was like, I don't want to be a part of this problem anymore. I want to go against it. And so he started his own cereal company. And the cool thing is that he has all the ingredients listed on the front, really big. So the main ingredient is cassava and cassava is like a root vegetable, like a potato. And so it can be very healing for your gut. And then he only sweetens it with raw honey and coconut sugar. He has flavors such as cacao, strawberry, honey, and I think unsweetened. So that's the best cereal. There are other brands out there, but you'll find that at a local grocery store. And then as far as bread goes, bread can be tricky. The best case scenario is getting something with almond flour or again, cassava flour. So I know there is, there's Plantiful Kitchen, AWG. There is Base Culture is another one you can find at your grocery store. Unbagels, there's Pagels. There is Sprouted Power for Kids is a really good one because it's pretty much stripped of all the crappy ingredients and you're left with real sprouted, 100% organic whole wheat flour. But I usually tell my clients, avoid wheat flour, avoid enriched flour, because a lot of that has been stripped of its fiber and they're adding sugars to it and they're adding preservatives and you're not going to usually find it in high quality breads. Any of those ring a bell for you? Some of them do. Issue for me is I tend to shop at Trader Joe's or my husband loves Smart and Final, which I'm very like sure that there's probably not a good right. at Smart and Final. The gluten-free thing, bread we get there, I'm actually going to go check afterwards and see the ingredients. Yes. But how are the Trader Joe's free breads? Have you looked at those at all? Yes, we do have a product recommendation sheet with over 135 pages. It has 2,300 product swaps. So there's a section of many pages of all the clean breads. So all the Trader Joe's breads are on there. I know there's some chips there. They sell jicama wraps that works well for like tacos, breakfast sandwiches, burritos. 
but I don't know a brand offhand that is Trader Joe's bread. I don't even know if they really have one. The best breads on the market are Plentiful Kitchen, where you order straight from, um, and they probably have it at local groceries around you, but you order straight from their website. I'll link it at the bottom of this podcast. And yeah, so that's that about bread. Have you heard of um, Carbonat? It's like a very low calorie bread. I'm not even sure if it's if it's gluten free, but that's my favorite because the bread is actually big. Like, what the heck is up with gluten free bread being like this size? Like, it's so tiny. And I really like Carbonat one because it is lower calorie. Breads can be really high calorie sometimes, but that's one that I really like. Are you looking it up right now? Any opinions on that? I am, but thing that bugs me is when you can't find the ingredients. The ingredients? Yes. I'm just like, all right, what are you sneaking? Carbonat bread. Yeah, it's carbon N-A-U-T, I believe. Ingredients, wheat protein, resistant potato starch, flax meal, xylem husk. At least it has ingredients that I know listed there. Yeah, I would say like, okay, I would tell my client, if you're on vacation and you're at the grocery store, and you can't find any bread and you find this, like, let it slide, right? But first of all, it's not organic. So the first ingredient is wheat protein. And odds are that wheat is sprayed with glyphosate, which is a pesticide, which has been shown to increase all kinds of, you know, cancer risk and shown to increase ADHD. There's tons of studies out there if you just want to look up glyphosate toxin exposure. And so that's number one. And then number two is there's pea fiber. I'm not too sure about like what that actually, does that mean they use harsh chemicals to extract that? Citric acid, if you are sensitive to citrus, you want to avoid that. And yes, there is a long story behind it. It could be mold, but you want that to really be at the end of the label, if anything. And then they have whole wheat flour again. So like wheat protein and wheat flour, how are they I like to know the story of like, how are you actually getting the wheat protein and why isn't it just wheat flour, right? So the most alarming thing here is that it's not organic. If you're going to be, if you're not going to be eating whole wheat, you for sure want it to be organic. And then if you're going to eat whole wheat, you want it to be sprouted as well. It's easier to digest. But then I also like to ask people like, hey, listen, if you're eating this bread, how do you feel? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel extra tired after your meals? Do you feel like you want to lose weight? Do you feel like you still have headaches or your skin is breaking out or your symptoms are debilitating? Well, this probably is a piece to that puzzle. Yep. How about gluten-free or chickpea? I actually haven't checked uh, the back of Bonza, but how do you feel about those chickpea pastas? Don't. So chickpeas, I, that is like on my avoid list. Chickpeas, lentils. I have that every night. Oh, chickpeas, lentils, oats, quinoa, whole wheat, sunflower oil, things like that. So here's the issue again, okay? Chickpeas is one that's highly sprayed with glyphosate. So number one, it's a legume. 
So you got to think about what happens to beans when they're in your belly. What happens to oats? They expand. So they probably are making you bloated as well. Most people have what's called a leaky gut. So if you think about your intestinal wall, it has these little holes and the holes are supposed to get your nutrients. But when we're eating a lot of things with phytic acid, which is an anti-nutrient, we're being exposed to glyphosate and we are eating foods that make the holes bigger, what happens then is toxins seep through and pesticides seep through and it goes in your bloodstream. And now it's causing havoc on your body in all kinds of different ways, right? So it's not that chickpeas don't have nutritional value. It's that you want to avoid these foods that kind of aggravate the intestinal wall and make the leaky gut worse. You want to make sure that your gut is healed. How do you know your gut's healed? You don't have nutrient deficiencies. You don't have a chronic illness. You don't have bloating. You don't have skin issues. You don't have fatigue. You pretty much are living your best life and can eat all the foods you love. So it's kind of like, I guess it's a phase that you want to avoid it and then you bring it back and see how you react to it. If you're going to do chickpeas, it has to be organic. That's one of those. Do you have any recommendation for all pasta alternatives that are gluten-free? The thing that I really like about Bonza, and I've tried like the lentil one from Trader Joe, is that it doesn't fall apart. It like still tastes like pasta when it's cooked. Yep. So I know Trader Joe's has a cauliflower gnocchi. That's great. Love it. There's Jovial cassava pasta. There's rice pasta. There's Miracle Noodles. There's Capello's almond flour pasta. They have a bunch of squash. There is Palmini noodles. There is zucchini noodles. There's sweet potato noodles. And so the list goes on and on. Yeah, I've tried the Paulini ones before, the noodle ones. Yeah. But I I haven't looked at the actual having pasta. But that's great to know. Yep. Fantastic. What about I have all the questions? What about plant-based butters? So one of my favorite podcasts that we'll link below, Monty's, M-O-N-T-Y-S. They're the best plant-based butter. Like no one competes with them. They have butters. They have cream cheeses. You can get them at local grocery stores. If you go to Monty's store locator, put in your zip code, find out where it is near you. Otherwise, go to their website. Okay. So the other thing is organic. Yep. How important is it? And the cost, I mean... What do you recommend? Like some people just can't, especially like in the chronic illness world, actually, side note, it makes me so angry when I see an influencer or in the chronic illness industry share like how to make magic brownies, which has like all this crap in it or is making like roll out pre-cut cookies and talking about how like this is their whatever meal, try this, or is going to Outback and having a blooming onion, Yeah, right? I think that, first of all, I don't know how educated that person is on the direct correlation between food and health. I can tell you that here in America, the connection between food and health is lacking, not only in patients, also in doctors. And so there is no... I think a lot of these influencers online are doing things for money. So they might get sponsors, they get paid. It's not very much money at all, but it's enough to get them, you know, living, I don't know, pay their grocery bills or something. So I think they do that. I also think they do consume those things because they haven't been properly educated and they don't understand that 
eating this way is making you feel this way. And if you swap it out or switch it up, that you'll feel so much better. It's like, really, you got to look at all that and say, it's not their fault. Like I look at them and I even look at, you know, Reese Witherspoon. I look at Oprah. She's eating Quaker oats and they're doing, she sponsors Oatly and all these things. Like they actually don't, it's not their fault. They do not know. Yeah. And I think that's part of it too. But what about the costs and what the importance of eating organic? Oh my gosh. Okay. So the cost, I say you pay the farmer or you pay the pharmacy. So it might look like you're saving money at the grocery store, but you're paying on it somewhere else, whether it's missing work, medications, doctor bills, doctor visits, you know, your relationships, maybe you're having to get a therapist because you're depressed all the time, like got to buy new clothes because you can't fit it. You're paying it somewhere else. Organic is super important. I will tell you that all my products on my product recommendation sheet are not organic. I try to just stick to whole foods or real foods made with real ingredients. And that's because one, not everybody can afford organic. First of all, I do think it's a shame that we have to pay more money for how farming should be, but it's the way it is. If you can choose organic, you should. And I also have a podcast on this uh, all about glyphosate and how glyphosate is affecting our lives and our children's lives and how to get rid of it. And so this lady who studies the effects of glyphosate stresses the importance of choosing organic. And so I do think it makes a huge impact. Now, there are some ways you can get your vegetables and your fruits cleaner by washing it with baking soda, apple cider vinegar, things like that. But there is a lot of crops out there where they're spraying the soil or it's actually GMO in the crop itself to produce that pesticide. And so even washing your stuff doesn't get rid of the exposure to that. So I do like this question because a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, I can't afford that. Or I can't believe that I have to eat organic. I'm like, hey, I don't make the rules. I'm just educating you. And so you need to choose where you want to spend your money. A lot of people value nice clothes or vacations or nice dinners or things for their house or their makeup and skincare. And it's like, hey, take some of those things off that you don't need and spend that extra money buying organic. Yeah. I hope that helps. So much. And I know it takes time. That's why like meal prepping and having a plan for what you can make, I think is really important to make it easier because there's not really much need to eat processed food, right? Right. You have eggs and some fruit or, you know, very British, a tomato for breakfast, right? And then like for lunch, it could be something you made too and dinner. I mean, for me, other than bread and like pasta, everything's just homemade, right? And we don't eat out a lot. One, because of the cost. Two, because if you're eating healthy out, it usually doesn't taste that good. And it's usually all cooked and stuff. And like it has a ton of butter because they're going to try to make it taste as good as it can. And I feel like, you know, you can potentially make better food at home, you know, following a recipe, et cetera. So I think that is a really big part of, also, you know, having a chronic illness and eating for your chronic illness. We really don't go out for dinner very often. Maybe once a month, maybe takeout because we love Indian like once a month. But other than that, we cook. 
Yeah. You can actually, I mean, if you're cooking your food and your groceries are costing more money, you're going to be saving money because one, you're going to be eating less food. You're going to have less cravings. You're not paying tips on a bunch of waitresses and waiters, and you're not having to go out to eat and all the things. I see it all the time. I have clients who used to go to Starbucks six days a week, and now they're making their coffee at home, saving $50 a week. That's $200 a month. And it's like, there's your 200 to go buy organic. Tell me this, as a wellness and chronic illness advocate, what's your advice to people going through the same situation as you? It is to not focus on the potential negatives, right? It is to stay positive and it does take work and it does take time and you're going to go through ups and downs and days you don't feel good and days you're just worried all the time. But getting connected into a community is huge. So you feel like other people are dealing with similar things because isolation is a huge deal. And finding a way to maintain some hope and letting go of the fact of control. You can't control what the disease is going to do, but you need to figure a way to be happy in the present because you don't want to live your life just being miserable and scared the whole time. Actually, interesting enough, I had a girl reach out to me saying she had a doctor, she had an MRI and she had a doctor's appointment to to follow up. And she was so worried that the MRI was going to be bad. So worried, like all consuming. And, you know, I told her like, look, you can't control this and stuff. And like, instead of thinking about the negative, why don't we think about the positive, right? There's equally... I don't know if it's equal, but there is a there is an equal chance that it's going to be positive. So she actually went to the the doctors. Great report. MRI looks fantastic. No progression. And you look back and you're like, oh my god, I wasted all this energy being you know worried. And like, think about what you could be doing with that energy instead. Yeah, and studies show that stress makes all kinds of things go wild in your body. And so it's really not helping, right? Yeah. The best thing for me, and it has been when I didn't tell people about my MS and then I came out about my MS and I went to an event that is run by Blake Arnett at from at UCLA. It's called Dunk MS. It's for charity. It's for money to continue research, find a cure. And that was the first time I actually met people in person who had MS. And it was so emotional. It was so like meaningful to me. And I realized the difference that a community can make. I have a bunch of girls. We call ourselves the MS Mavens. Cute. And we get together. But like there's so much support and there's so much camaraderie and understanding that you don't get from elsewhere. It's like one of the number one things I recommend. I love that. Everyone needs to find their their tribe, their people, somebody you can talk to about what you're going through. Okay, so everybody listening, go follow Nicole Pedra on social media. We'll also link her website. And Nicole, I appreciate you sharing your side of dealing with chronic illness. And for everybody listening, you can either go to freemorningguide.com to discover three common foods killing your energy and ruining your day. Or also I will link our swap sheet below as well because I know we talked a lot about that. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. This was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, know that we'll talk soon and I'll reach out to you soon. Okay, Nicole? Okay, thank you so much. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Thank you.